Welcome to Jazz South Spotlight, a podcast series shining a light on outstanding jazz talent from the south of England. I'm Kevin Legend, and I'll be meeting six bands from across the region who've been specially commissioned by Jazz South to create new music. Originally part of a scheme to perform to live audiences across the south of England, Jazz South Spotlight is a digital reimagination to reach audiences everywhere in 2020 through new tracks. In this series, I'll explore the background, influences and inspirations of each band, as well as playing excerpts from their new work. This week, I'm talking to Sarah Coleman. Sarah, welcome to Jazz South Spotlight. Thanks, Kevin. It's very nice to be talking to you. So obviously, we've been going through a very testing time with the pandemic and lockdown and restrictions. And for creative musicians who are used to playing live and engaging with audiences, it's obviously very challenging as well. Sarah, how have you been dealing with these past few months? For me, what it meant predominantly was that I stopped travelling so much. So I was doing quite a lot of teaching in London and Birmingham and I'm based in Bristol so I was always in one of those cities and of course gigging all over the place and workshops was the other thing and all of it stopped whereas a lot of my time was spent in the car I would now I was now at home and working out how to take everything online and thinking about yeah I guess a bit of time to think about what was going on as well as dealing with obviously being terrified for all the people that I love and you know all of that stuff and the world at large. I suppose I've started doing a lot more writing which for me is great and this commission gave me an opportunity to kind of kick start that really. So that's I suppose a positive thing which has emerged from the situation and you mentioned that you're quite a slow writer and that you're fussy about lyrics. Have you always been like that? And do you need specific triggers to get you going? I haven't always been like that. No, I, I, having listened back to some stuff I wrote, you know, a long time ago, I realised I wasn't really like that at one point. But I, I guess I'm increasingly so. The trigger points will either be a fleeting thought or I do spend quite a lot of time writing things down that people say. Or it might be some music. There's two songs that I've written for this commission and one of them started with a piece of music that Rebecca had written. And that was the starting point. Actually, increasingly, it's been other people's music and that I've started writing sort of alongside that or on top of that and this commission has really given me opportunity to think about that process and you know how I do things because being quite a slow writer is I think part of that actually if I cut myself a little bit of slack is not just being around enough to really focus on it you know not being in one place enough and actually having just been here in Bristol for a long time it's been a bit more productive I think and I'm seeing now that what I've always sort of told students and claimed as being like you know the best way to do songwriting is to do a little bit of it every day and I've never really actually done that and now I'm starting to so I'm sort of doctor heal myself kind of thing I'm really taking my own advice for a change. So Bristol is an amazing musical city and one of the other artists appearing in the podcast, We Are Leif, their vocalist Louise Victoria is based in Bristol and she's talked about the importance of the city as well when you think about its incredible musical heritage. Has it been a source of inspiration to you as well? I wonder if it has. I think it could be. I don't stay in one place for long enough for that to 
happen. I guess I was born in Bristol, so I'm a true Bristolian. I was here until I was 18. And then I moved to Birmingham to study. And I spent a lot of my adult life in Birmingham. So I feel a little bit honorary Brummy as well. Which is another great musical city. I love Birmingham uh, very much. And I guess I've just, I've been back in Bristol for maybe six years. I think there's a lot of things changing in Bristol at the moment. There's a lot of stuff happening been collaborating with musicians for the Bristol Jazz Festival which had to be postponed unfortunately on a new project called What She Said which was all about women composers and producers and arrangers that was a really exciting project that we had to just sort of pause on so yeah there's a lot happening here really is so you mentioned Birmingham as well as Bristol and you've got the band kind of spread out as well you've got Percy Persglove I think based in Hamburg your engineer in Italy what has it been like developing this music with everybody kind of just in these different locations? Well, I guess the whole pandemic thing has meant we're all online. So in a sense, it doesn't, you could be anywhere. So in that regard, it's sort of the same for anyone, I guess. We did this commission, the piece Turning Over Stones was all done remotely. So everybody sort of brought what their parts one after another, which was a really new way of working, I guess, more like sort of studio one at a time kind of vibe, session vibe sort of thing, which was really interesting. I guess having all worked together for such a long time, that, that had some impact on it. That was an interesting thing to think about when I was writing it, about leaving space for certain things to happen musically. And I knew what they would be because I knew the musicians, I guess. So that was cool. I think we're managing, I guess, Kevin, we're managing because we have to, right? So we're all desperate to be creative. So we're just finding these ways online. That's the godsend. That's the thing that's saving it is that we can do it. We can send tracks around the world. We can work like that. So we're managing is what I would say. And we're finding a new way to create together. Thankfully, more recently, I've been able to spend time with Rebecca Nash, who I work with quite closely. We've been able to sort of be in the same room together and do some work. And Steve Banks is my husband, so he's in the band. So that's made things a little bit easier as well, I guess. Now, Turning Over Stones, which is one of the tracks that you've written for the commission, has a really interesting lyric. I mean, the expression itself, Turning Over Stones, is quite unusual. And I, I believe that's something you heard and it, it, it struck a chord with you. It did. It really did. And it's one of those things that when those phrases are said, you have to really remember them because they're really good fodder for sort of, you know, turning idioms inside out a little bit to appeal to people's sense of something familiar, but that you want to shine a new light on that notion, you know. Actually, I was talking to Rebecca about something and she said, oh, she was talking about herself and saying that she was somebody who always was turning over stones. And we talked for a minute about what that meant, meaning kind of always wanting to look at the heart of something, the truth of things, always wanting to get to the bottom of things. And I just thought about how how that is in life and how we do that in life or we don't, depending on how far we want to go with the searches into ourselves and our lives and our histories and our processes and, you know, all the things we do. And sometimes that feels like a really comfortable thing to do. And at other times it's terrifying and scary and I suppose this song is both of those narratives it's being on the edge of turning over stones wanting to go looking and at the same time feeling like you could be digging up trouble as the lyric says and I guess it's about being in that halfway house and not knowing whether to jump or not it feels like it's an interesting notion a a transitional sort of thing to be thinking about before moving into the next period of writing okay let's listen to turning over stones by Sarah Coleman
Turning Over Stones by Sarah Coleman, a piece which really takes us into this world of self-examination, revelation, things which are maybe good and, and quite challenging. Sarah, it's, it's a, a really, really interesting lyric and a really good arrangement as well. And the band that we've been talking about with Steve Banks, Rebecca Nash, Ben Markland, Percy Persglove, really came into its own on your last album, What We're Made Of, which was critically acclaimed. And we can hear the group has its own sound now. How long do you think that's taken to develop? Well, I think it's a combination of things. I've been working with Ben Markland for probably 20 years. He's often in live situations. He MDs the bands. He also records a lot of music, so he has an ear on that side of things as well. So that relationship was ever there. Rebecca and I have been working together now for about six years in lots of different projects. So that's another kind of relationship that's also kind of present in this mix. And Percy too, actually, for about that length of time. And I've been working with Steve for, I don't know, maybe eight, seven or eight years developing new music. And also on this piece of music is Jonathan Silk playing drums. And Silky, as he's known, has had a really big impact on the album because he did a lot of the string writing as well. And he, he plays drums here on Turning Over Stones. My relationships with each person has formed this kind of group, which we all seem really happy to be playing together when we get the chance. And we did quite a lot of gigs around what we're made of. And it was quite an intense time making the album. Some of the tunes we were already playing, some of them we built in the studio. And that team, in fact, are part of upcoming projects that are going on as well. So it feels like I've had the opportunity to work with people that I just feel really, really who both engender in me a sense of confidence and who I feel are so supportive in a sort of practical way from a project point of view and also obviously musically, which is amazing, sort of invaluable, you know, they're a treasured group. Can we round off by talking about some of your influences, Sarah? I know that that one person who has really meant a lot to you over the years and, and given you a great deal of inspiration is Joni Mitchell. She's one of your prime influences. She's just an incredible musician and, and writer and she's inspired a lot of people across the genres, you know, from pop to, to folk to jazz, etc. What does she mean to you personally? Over the years, what I realise is the very being of her, you know, the fact that she was a musician for such a long time, is a musician, I should say, and was always looking for something new. I mean, I know she wouldn't necessarily have called herself a musician primarily and perhaps a painter and a poet first. Just the fact that she exists and the fact that she's she was always brave to try new things. She always wanted to be a jazz musician. She always was, you know, wanting to head into areas that she didn't know anything about. She's bold, and I think her subjects are also often bold. She writes about both relationship things, which are sometimes very obvious and sometimes not. Then she writes about things like Magdalene laundries and about corruption in government and about, you know, so she's she's always making these political statements as well as kind of social and interpersonal sort of comments. She just writes from such a broad point of view. And I, yeah, and, and musically, I think her choices of voicings and, you know, the whole way in which the melody and the, and the melody serves the lyric you know the melody is always there to make sure that the lyric is being delivered and that is brilliant in terms of songwriting for me she's great everybody looks so real so distrustful so displeased running down the table I see your border mind like a barbed wire 
my most recent project was a set of arrangements of, of her songs for my band with String Quartet. And we had all of that recorded and we were ready to go and then lockdown hit. So we're just, we've put that on hold for a little while. It's like an, an EP called Ink on a Pin and that's coming out a little bit later next year. We're just sort of planning that now. It's songs that I've really loved of hers and Silky's done the arrangement, string arrangements and we recorded it at Real World and it was in Wiltshire and it was a lovely, lovely experience. We recorded it all live just to bring her music to have a new, our interpretation of it, just to kind of, as sort of homage to her, it was just a lovely thing to do. So hopefully we'll get that out sometime next year as well. Well, your interpretation of Joni Mitchell's music is definitely something to look forward to. We're going through this this period of uncertainty and we still don't know exactly how things are going to unfold in the future. Do you have any idea what else might be on the horizon for you? Will you continue to record remotely or, or just do some more songwriting? All of those things, Kevin. If anything, I've had a bit of time to reassess what I want, you know, how I want to spend the upcoming time, you know, the next year or so. And I I really want to do more and more songwriting and more and more collaborating. So I'm working on a project with Rebecca Nash too. We've got a duo album with sort of some guests, which we were in the middle of working out on again, that we're continuing now. So now that we've got all these new skills in recording, we should be able to continue with that. And I've got a project in Bristol with a wonderful saxophonist and writer of all sorts of kinds of music called Nick Dover. We've got a duo project, which is sort of a bit less jazz and a little bit more. I don't know what, but anyway, that's happening. And I just really want to write. I just want to write, write, write. That's all I sort of want to do. I want to find out more about writing for voices. I really want to do something that's a bit more heavily multi-vocally layered, something that I did earlier in my career and I sort of haven't done so much of it recently. So I'd like to dive back into that again. And I'd really love to learn more about writing for other instruments. So there's always plenty to do. And I'm actually doing some Spanish lessons. So that's like another little additional thing, nothing to do with music, but having some time to do some other things, which is brilliant. You know, hopefully gigs will come back and the stress about earning a living and all will just ease off a little bit later on. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. We have to, we have to be hopeful and we have to put music into the world. That's our job, I think. We have to try and keep putting music into the world because it's how we communicate with each other and it's it's what the world needs. Well, on that note, it just remains for me to say vaya, gracias, Sarah. <laughs> gracias. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I definitely look forward to uh, the new music that's coming in the Brilliant. Future. Thanks so much. It's been lovely to talk to you. And to hear Turning Over the Stones in full by Sarah Coleman, along with links to all the previous podcasts and new commissions, visit www.jazzsouth.org.uk slash spotlight. Jazz South supports the development of jazz across the south of England outside London. It is led and hosted by Turner Sim Southampton, a concert hall and live music producing organisation with support from the University of Southampton and funding from Arts Council England. I'm Kevin Legend and this has been a Two Degrees West production for Jazz South. <laughs>